Franwise presents What's Your Effing Business, a podcast about franchising. Here's your host, Marianne O'Connor. Hey, welcome back to yet another episode of What's Your Effing Business, a podcast about franchising. We're talking about the fundamentals that make enduring franchise brands. What is it that is the core of being a good franchisor. And today our guest is the CEO of InExpress Americas, Dustin Hansen. Hey, Dustin. Well, hello, Mary. Good to be here hanging out with you. Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a little while, but uh, nice to connect again. So how are things going for InExpress in these days of the pandemic? Uh, actually, uh, sometimes I'm a little embarrassed to admit, but uh, really good since we're in the shipping logistics business. Uh, pandemics tend to be good for our business because people ship more. So the business overall is doing very well. Never apologize for business going well. <laughs> uh, you guys and all the fast food places are, are doing fabulously. So for our listeners who may not know InExpress, can you give us a little background and where the business started and where is it today? Absolutely. Yeah. So we started, InExpress got started in 1999, so 21 years ago, based in Manchester, England. So we started first across the pond over in the UK and uh, just grown uh, really aggressively over the last 21 years. Um, We're now in 14 countries. Of those 14 countries, we directly own and manage 11 of them and have three master franchises. Uh, We've got just under 400 franchise locations throughout the world in those 14 countries. And uh, and we're in the shipping and logistics uh, business. Where we, our main um, uh, customers are small and medium-sized businesses who will use us to get volume discounts with big carriers like DHL, UPS, and, uh, and others. It's an interesting business model for our listeners. I should tell you that Dustin and I met a number of years ago when I worked on the project for rewriting their manuals and Dave, who was one of my writers at the time, just kept saying, I can't believe this is a business model, but it makes so much <laughs> sense. So um, that's great to hear. Um, what do you think? I mean, that's a lot of growth in a lot of countries. And yes, there is a universality to shipping. But what do you think is the core thing that makes an express successful? Well, it's a great question. I mean, yeah, it, it always starts really for me with the uh, the people that we have and the franchisees that we've been able to bring into an express. We've got just really tenacious, persistent, gritty, entrepreneurial-minded uh, franchisees uh, across the world. Um, I you know tend to be a little biased, and some here in the U.S., but we've got some you know the top franchisees here in the U.S., and they're just really really good and they're committed to following the business model. I think, you know, we've done a good job in recognizing that franchising is about relationships. Um, we, you know, as a franchisor, we, we are the brand store. It's, it's our brand. And so we're firm on the non-negotiables and the brand standards that we have. Um, but it's a very fun culture. It's a very collaborative culture. And I think that because we engage all of our people together and as we work with those people and, and the intellectual capital that they have, it's really allowed us to kind of unlock new ideas and, and uh, allow everyone to have the mentality that, you know, as we all work together, the rising tide raises all ships and that increases motivation and performance. So I think those are some of the things that I think we've done well. It's kind of helped us get to where we are today. You said they all follow the system. So how is important is it 
to articulate that system? Well, it's, it's critical. Um, you know, if we're not saying the same thing, if we're not, if the franchisees and their team members and our team members aren't on the line and exactly what the messaging is and, and following that model with as much exactness as possible. And you never get quite hundred percent, but I think we're as near to it as you can get. Um, it, it gives the, the marketplace a unified place to look and it allows that benchmarking between franchisees and, and team members to be the highest quality possible. So you can actually imp implement things because you are doing it the same way and just minor tweaks make, can make a big difference. So I think, you know, for those reasons, following that model, following that system can really unlock a lot of great potential that sometimes isn't unlocked. So you said when you first started that you found a big part of good franchising is based on relationships. And so we've been locked down for seven months because here we are on the first week of November. I can't believe I just said seven months, but um, <laughs> how have you maintained those relationships when you can't be in the field with them? Yeah, I mean, we, we do the simple things, and I think the simple things really carry the most power. And I, I learned this from all the great franchise mentors that are out there. But, you know, we, we make sure that we write individual cards to franchisees to just tell them we're thinking about them. Um, I hold a, a, a network-wide Q&A. We call it Discuss with Dustin, a Q&A call with our franchisees every week or every other week. Um, that's an open forum. They can ask me whatever questions that they want. So it keeps them dialed in. It keeps us kind of fresh. Um, we also, my management team, uh, they're required to make five proactive phone calls each, uh, to five different franchises every week, just to check in, say, Hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? What's, what's new in life? So we're just consistently checking in on them. Um, we've got someone in our office that kind of just trolls through Facebook and notices events and franchisees or things that they've posted. And we send them a quick email or a text, just, you know, recognizing them for those things. So just, just all those small kind of interpersonal relationship type things we're just trying to stay on top of. On your weekly calls, uh, what percentage of engagement do you tend to get on those? Yeah, we, uh, somewhere around 70 to 75% of our franchisees attend those calls. So we get quite a few on there. And I think because they know that what they're going to hear from me is just really transparent. They, they know that I'm not going to try to sugarcoat anything. I'm going to tell them how, how it is. And, and also, I think we're, we do a good job in having such a good pulse on the industry and the market and our customer base and our carrier partners um, that they recognize if they miss that call, then they're at a disadvantage to be able to service the customers that they have. So I think not only trying to provide value and transparency, but they just know that they've got to be on there because if they don't, then they're not going to be on the front front line with the with the latest information. And you also, I mean, let's face it, your your franchisees are basically in sales and salespeople are competitive with each other. <laughs> Whether they want to admit it or not, they are. Yeah, they have to be there. If they, if, again, the missing out sometimes is more than really what's said on the phone calls. I just don't want to miss out. <laughs> um, but I hear so many brands that wait for one, you know, one big annual meeting, whatever they call it, if it's a conference or a convention or a reunion, and they try and roll everything out then. But it sounds like you're doing it in real time. Do you also have an annual meeting? We do. Yeah, we, uh, we have a couple actually. We have a sales conference in the fall, which ours will be in two weeks from now, virtually. And then we have a big annual convention, which is every February. And this year we're doing a hybrid. We are going to have some people show up physically and we'll do some virtually as well. So we do kind of two yearly meetings. They're fairly close together. But again, being in sales, that really jives with the kind of folks that we have. You mentioned them and 
if you don't want to say names, I, I will respect that. But you talked about your best, you know, the franchise mentors that are out there. Who do you go to for your inspiration and your information? Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, there's so many. But, um, you know, Catherine Monson is really just, you know, taking me under her wing and held my hand and, and I'll reach out to her consistently. Uh, and I just I just eat everything she tells me and teaches me and shows me. Uh, Art Coley, uh, same. Uh, I think I'm on the phone with him every other week, just asking questions and learning from him. Uh, I talk to Shelly's son uh, frequently. So those are just three of, of so many I could name. Um, and, and I think that's what's unique about franchising. And, and that's why I love, you know, going to IFA events and being involved is because people just want to share. We, they've got, they had help from somebody and they want to pass it on. And, and I'm the beneficiary right now. And hopefully someday I can, uh, you know, sit in their seat and help others after me. And we should mention that Dustin is a member of the board of directors at IFA. Um, so gathering even more information. So we now know where you're getting your information, how you're sharing it with your franchisees. But what would you think if there was a very limited list that you could give to, to the next protege that comes up and wants to learn from you are the core responsibilities of the franchisor. Well, I mean, we, we've got to teach people how to be small business owners. Um, and that that's really our responsibility as a franchisor. And we do that under our brand and we do it through our service offerings or product offerings. Um, but we've got to, you know, we've got to make sure that we know small business ownership ourselves. And I think that's, a little bit unique with me just because I was the first franchisee for an express outside of the UK and I lived and breathed it for three years and built my franchise quite large. And then again, jumped in on the franchisor side and now I sit in that CEO seat. So now I, I know what these franchises are going through and I have a unique ability to try to teach them how to be a small business owner because I did that myself. So I think, you know, we got to recognize that in franchising as a franchise, well, we've got to teach these folks how to be good, you know, small business owners. And there's so much psychological um, angles that come with that. And I think that's why relationships are such a big piece of it because they're, you know, franchisees got to be able to trust and know what you're saying is real and they can see that through evidence of what you've done, but to really, you know, internalize it and make it emotionally part of them, they have to respect that there's a connection there. And by building that relationship it allows that information to go deeper. So again, as a franchisor, I think our job is to teach people how to be small business owners and then set those brand standards and make sure that everyone's rowing together in the same direction and provide mutual benefit, uh, again, as we accomplish organizational goals. So I want to clarify, because you know I'm a stickler on this stuff. When you're saying talking, teaching them to be small business owners, are you teaching them fundamentals of business? And if you are, how does that jive with joint employment standards? Yeah, our viewpoint is we can't assume anything. So anyone that comes into the business and the Inexpress is a franchisee, we have to teach them everything from point A to, to point Z. And um, but we don't do that in a, in a joint employer risk way where we're, you know, asserting some kind of control. We make sure that there's that separation and correct separation of entities where they are recognized as a small business. So, um, again, we do it more as a classroom type teaching environment uh, versus always making a lot of requirements for them to do certain things. And that allows us to share and impart that information. It makes our franchisees hungry to learn it but it doesn't cross any lines from a joint employer perspective. So I think we do a good job. We watch that line. We recognize there's risks if you cross that line. Um, and, and we're a little bit more 
you know, we're a little bit more of a risky brand where, you know, we want to try to push that envelope a little bit, but we recognize again, there's a, there's a really good line there that we just won't cross. And so we'll do everything we can to support and help the franchisee and teach them those fundamental business practices without it uh, being again, crossing the line of, of control or perceived control. I hope people hear that because I, I understand the threat that joint employment legislation or definitions can mean to franchising, but I've maintained for a long time and what I'm hearing you say, you can still do what you need to do. It's how you position it. Yeah. Listen, I think we have to still do what we need to do. I, you know, if you get, if you run away and start to cut too much back out of fear of the possibility of, you know, putting yourself at risk, then you're just never going to be able to cover things off. You have to absolutely understand it. I'm a big advocate of understanding it, learning it, knowing where that line is, knowing what you can and can't do. Um, but, but don't, don't run away, right? Run forward and then stop where you need to, because again, it's so important for us to take the responsibility of our franchisees in our hands and help them with everything we possibly can as much as we can, again, knowing where that line actually is drawn. And if you don't have the people in your system, like it seems obvious you do, to give those lessons, there's no harm and there's no diminishment in the value of the franchise brand if you're bringing third parties in to do that for you and create that cushion. So if it's the generic business operation type information, um, how to understand a P&L, how to run their books, how to manage their employees, that can still be a great value if you're bringing it in a third party for those franchisors that would prefer to have a little more cushion. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, again, I, for me, as a role as a franchisor, you're teaching. And when I say teach, it's yeah, maybe directly teaching, but it's connecting uh, those that are seeking information with those that can provide the information. And third parties are critical for that. And again, sometimes in franchising, you know, when a franchisor is trying to teach something or says something, it's not adopted at a franchisee level, maybe as quickly or as thoroughly as it could be. Uh, but, you know, just the normal, natural way for us as humans to accept things, when you get it from a third party, for whatever reason, sometimes that can drive home much more, you know, deeply and, and much more quickly to the franchisee. So just the third party teaching not only allows from separation and joint employer risk, but it can be a lot more effective and a lot more helpful to the franchisees. I, I'm probably shooting myself in the foot as a consultant, but my brother, who's very cynical, used to always define a consultant is an, a, what makes an expert. They have a different area code than you do. <laughs> but it does help. Um, it does help when somebody who doesn't have a vested interest in the business is giving you the advice. Um, I think that's even when you're picking your mentors and stuff, somebody else in, in Express could probably tell you the same things, but it's coming from other brands, other people who have lived it and seen it in other ways. Yep. So yours as a brand, I mean, your product is driven by what your partners are doing, the DHL and USP, UPS, good O'Connell. Um, but I also know that you have great technology platforms to help manage this. How do you keep focused on what's truly important because technology changes daily how do you decide when you have to make that addition or change and when you stay the course yeah people often ask me um dustin what what keeps you up at night and uh 
I think my answer is pretty simple. I think technology is always up there because you never actually arrive. Uh, you're always needing to improve and enhance and move it forward. Um, especially when you know there's competitors out there trying to do the same thing or trying to create technology that can distract your customer base. And so it's just this ongoing uh, challenge. And, and that's good. Uh, you know, again, our view, we're an optimistic company. We go, we love that because it means it pushes us and we have to be good at it. So I think for us, um, the main driver for us is we have what we call a brand development council. And this is franchisee driven. And uh, we have a franchisee that's over the pillar we call IT. And that franchisee has a committee of about five to seven other franchisees. And what they do on every 90 day cycle is they go out to the other franchisees in the network and say, all right, from an IT perspective, what is it that we need to enhance? What can we improve? What can we add for new features uh, for customers or for franchisees to use? Um, and then they bring that back every 90 days with it prioritized. And then we look at it based on our resource allocation, we go to work. And so we're delivering what, our network needs by having the network really drive the accumulation of those items. And of course the franchisees know that best because they're the ones talking to their customers and they're the ones that are understanding what their customers needs are. So um, it becomes again, simple from a franchise or perspective because all we have to do is the, the resource allocation and the execution of getting it done. We don't have to think about what needs to be done because our franchisees do that. And because of the, again, the relationship and interdependence that we built, um, they do really, really good job in delivering that, again, that list to us. Uh, we, we just went through a, a bad timing, I guess, when you look at it hindsight, but March 1st of 2020, we used to use third-party softwares. We built our own over the last few years. Um, cost us a lot of money, a lot of time. And on March 1st, we started our full migration, moving all of our customers and all of our franchisees to an in-house, our own software platform. Of course, pandemic hits three weeks later and <laughs> so in the middle of a pandemic, we're switching our entire company on a new software. It turned out to go really, really well. And frankly, people were in their offices more, so it actually kind of worked to our advantage. Um, but we did that because we knew we had to have control. We knew that we needed to have a faster pace of being able to deliver on technology requirements, again, that our network saw. And again, just utilizing the, the help and vision of the franchisees and knowing what we could work with, we put those together and it really helps us have confidence that we're delivering IT-wise on the right things. What I'm hearing in all of that is that you trust your franchisees. Um, it's not paternalistic. You're not just telling them what to do. So how do you how do you screen for that trust even way back in the franchise development uh, process? Yeah, great, good question. I you know we ask a lot of questions, which again sounds cliche because I think everybody might do that. But um, we, we just we just know that when when someone's going through our discovery process and steps if they're following those steps that we've laid out, then we know they're going to be a good fit because they're following the process already. And when you start to kind of try to go outside those things, then we know, okay, maybe this isn't a person that's going to be a good fit in our culture. Uh, but I spend a lot of time with them. I do Q&A calls, we call them CEO calls every week with candidates as well. Um, and they're asking me questions and I'm able to learn about them. We have them present to us at our discovery days, which is you know virtual, which works really well. Um, so we're trying to really dive into the kind of background these folks have, um, but it's not perfect. And I think where with the imperfection, if we you know, do have someone comes into our network that maybe isn't all the way there from a culture perspective or you know, mindset that we have, the, the other franchisees have apply that peer pressure to go, whoa, this is who we are. If you want to be part of this team, this is what you need to do. And uh, the franchisees that are coming in recognize, hey, I want to be part of this group. So let me make sure that I'm acting like the group acts. And I think that's really allows us from a discovery candidate, you know, recruitment perspective to make sure that we've got the right people coming in. 
culture cannot be understated. And I find many new franchisors um, that are coming in, just give it a short shrift that I don't think they understand. They're so focused on their widget or their service that they're not thinking what this is. And when you get the right people in, everything else is so much easier. It's just, you don't have to fight them. I agree. And maybe it's, maybe this is a, a strength of uh, me being an ignorant 38 year old, uh, <laughs> but because I know I'm 38, I haven't had the you know 40 years of experience that many franchise or executives have. And so I recognize that there's two things I need to do well. Number one, I need to be able to rally the, the brain power collectively and the experience of all of our franchisees. And we might have a franchisee that's been marketing in marketing for 20 years. Well, why would you not put that person in a place where they can share their marketing expertise? I, I might not have it, but they do. So what, bring them in. And then number two, just a culture. If we got culture and involvement of people's intellectual capital, then, then the execution of business principles, uh, again, becomes, I don't want to say easy, but it becomes simple. And, and then we can just roll and move and, and, and tackle things as a company. So I couldn't agree with you more. Again, the people engaging their experience and, and, and uh, building that, that culture of inclusivity and energy and, and you know, working together will really uh, eat anything else that we could possibly try to do. So we've talked about all the positives. Let me turn the tables for a minute. What's the biggest challenge you think franchisors are facing right now? I think, I think it's really onboarding franchisees and getting them up to successful um, places quick enough. Uh, we struggle with that. I think a lot of franchises struggle with that. I think, you know, it, recruiting new franchises can be challenged and that's always something that franchisors talk about, you know, trying to motivate franchisees to grow and expand and, and, and whatnot can always be a challenge. Um, but I think those are all things that just you work off over time. I think the critical nature is when you get a new franchisee into your brand, they've got to get off to a fast start. You've got to get them out there, you know, bringing in sales, bringing in customers, making things happen. And for us, our franchisees don't have storefronts. So they have to go out, you know, virtually on the phone or in person and create opportunities. Um, and we've got to motivate them to be able to do that and help them and guide them. But even if there is a brand that has a you know, storefront, you just got to get them off to a really quick start. When you do that, you know, belief builds action, action builds more belief, and it just, the, the circle just gets bigger and tighter and, and allows, um, uh, allows them to succeed long term. I have to admit, I wasn't expecting that as the answer, but it really hits home because with the accounting rule changes as far as revenue recognition, you really do have to get your franchisees up and rolling fast so your books still look good in terms of what money is coming in and you're no realizing. Question. Yeah, no question. Um, so here's my, my last big question for you. Okay. If there's one thing you could do differently, Dustin, what would it be? Wow. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think for us, uh, there's been a lot of learnings over time. And um, I think the mistakes we've made over time is that we run and then we assess and then we pilot and then we roll out. Well, that's, you know, we've already rolled out when we start to run. So I think the, the biggest mistake that we've made as a company is that we just have these great ideas that we think are awesome that we hear from a franchisee and then we just throw them out there really quick and try to move on to the next thing. And again, our ability just to chuck stuff over the fence um, is much more quicker than a franchisee's ability to take those things and actually figure out how they work. And so I think the biggest mistake is we just haven't done a good job of, of crawl, walk, run and assessing things and then implementing those things. Um, you know, we could always do a better job of making sure we got the, you know, the right new franchisees that we're bringing in. And I think we've improved that over time. But I just think as a, as a company for us, 
we just got to do better at just, you know, sometimes we slowing down a little bit, executing a little bit more thoroughly, laying out the plan a little bit more in detail for the franchisee so they can more easily adopt and follow that program. Um, and, and listen, I mean, you helped us with that. We, our operations manual wasn't anything that to write home about and it really created some gaps in the ability for the franchisees to actually run the business. And it's like, well, yeah, we, you know, we wrote something, we think it works, you know, it works fine enough. Just go, just go implement it. Let's move on to the next thing. And I think that's a challenge. We've got to recognize you have to bring people, you know, a little bit slower pace because they've got to get it in their DNA and get it as part of their everyday habits. And if we move on too quickly, then we'll start to, you know, leave people behind. And change is hard. It is. Yeah. So, you threw out there early that you have mentors and someday you would be a mentor to others. So if there's anybody listening that would like to reach out for you some, for some advice, how would they reach you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, email dustin.hanson at inexpress.com is a great way. Uh, they could even, you know, call uh, the Inexpress office and find me. I've got it, it pretty easy to find me on LinkedIn, pretty easy to find me on the IFA website. Um, yeah. So any way possible. And listen, I'm hungry for it. Again, I feel like I owe it. My mentors have said to me, Dustin, the only way that we'll spend time with you is if you commit to spend time with others. And I don't want to do it just because they told me I needed to. I want to do it because I recognize my family's life has been changed because of them. And I'm more than happy and willing to give back to others if they're uh, willing and hungry to learn. And as you said earlier, a rising tide truly does lift all boats. Absolutely. Um, and for those who are listening, if you have a story that you want to tell, or if there's a story of a brand you want to hear, please reach out to me at info at franwise.net. And we will do our best to get that person on. Dustin, it was great to see your face. It's always good to talk to you. Thanks for sharing so much with our audience today. Of course, Mary. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And this is another episode of What's Your Effing Business? A franchise. Well, it's actually a podcast about franchising. <laughs> Have a great day. What's Your Effing Business is created by O'Connell and Company, Inc., and Franwise. It is written and directed by Marianne O'Connell. Technical mastering by Ryan Cleary. Our theme music was written and performed by Sean J. O'Connell and Leviathan Brothers and is available on Spotify. All rights to this podcast and music are reserved.